what has been your strategy for raising money? Yeah. So, you know, when I first got into multifamily, I was, when I built my real estate sales business, I didn't believe in networking because I'm like, it's just a waste of time. People go there just to chill out and not Mm -hmm. actually put in work that they're supposed to be doing. And I still think that is still true to a very large extent, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't really know anybody up until I was you know, 23, I knew nobody. Uh, like if I want to raise a thousand bucks, I wouldn't have somebody to raise it from. And so when I started getting into multifamily, I just realized like you can't, you can't be in that business unless you have a bigger network, unless you have a community um, and uh, have those people trust you and, and, and whatnot. And so I started basically every single day, I would do like seven, eight one-on-one meetings with people on, on Zoom, you know, 30 minutes each, just start telling my story, hearing their story, building relationships. And I did that literally for like four months, five months. I built up a huge network very quickly from that. Um, so that's how I started raising. And and then I started traveling to different states, going to different, um, you know, conventions and whatnot. And that was, that was great as well. But then by the end of the year, I just was exhausted. I mean, I remember from September till the end of December, I saw my house like two days because I was out oh. everywhere. I was in Chicago, I was in Arizona, mm-hmm. I was in Florida, I was everywhere. And so I'm like, you know what? This is not the life I want to live. I want, uh, I, I like to stay home. Uh, and so what I decided to do this year is to just host events, um, host mm. events, get on podcasts like this, um, do videos. But the biggest thing that I've noticed was speaking. I, I hated speaking because obviously a lot of people have a fear of speaking myself mm. included. And so I hired a coach uh, in 2021 to teach me how to speak publicly. And this guy is always speaking on stages. So, you know, I paid the guy, he taught me, you know, what to do. He, forced me to go out and speak in front of people in front of hundreds of his audience. So that was good. That got the fear out of me. And then he connected me with a few people that host events. And then I went out, spoke, spoke a number of times. And every time I would get so many people that would come up to me afterwards and they're like, Hey, we really love this idea of investing in multifamily. And um, I, I love the way you, you know, you go through your analysis. How do we invest with you? And so then I'm like, okay, interesting. So I'm speaking for an hour. I get like seven, eight, nine people. I would have to speak to people for 10 hours to get the same type of connection. Um, so then I just started speaking. I, I went from one event to another to a third. And, you know, it was just organic. People would see me speak somewhere. Somebody in the audience might have his own event. They would invite me to their event. So I did that. And then about, let's say, two months ago, I just started hosting my own events. And the biggest thing about hosting your own events is like, well, what if I host an event and then nobody shows up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hosted my first one. And then luckily, 40 people showed up, which was really cool. I was surprised by it. And uh, then I hosted another one with somebody. We had 100 people show up. And then I hosted a third one. And then we had like 50 people show up. And then every single time I would host an event, people would come up. And they're like, hey, I got you know money I want to invest. And uh, I want to put it up with you. So one actually on the last one I did, this guy came up. He's like, hey, I've got three tech companies. And they're, you know, they're cash flowing. I want to put the money somewhere. I've got, if I want to write you a half a million dollar check, how do I do it? I'm like, mm. uh, I I, I don't have anything for you to invest in right now, <laughs> but I'll take down your info. So it's it's very interesting. I've noticed that as the fastest way to grow because it gives you a, a different level of credibility that you otherwise would not have if you were not on a stage, you know, per se. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, who did you hire as a coach? So Bill, Bill uh, what is, I'm sorry, uh, zoning out, Bill Walsh. Cool. Bill Walsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have bad memory with names. The 49ers yeah, coach? Yeah, the 49ers no, coach, kidding. yeah. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, a lot of people confuse uh, him with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. 
No, I mean, I love that you mentioned the, the public speaking coach because um, somebody else I interviewed recently, they told me um, that people good at public speaking make 30% more than people that are not. So, I mean, I just thought like, oh, that's like the easiest way to get a raise. Right. Essentially. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I just, it's like, I can make 30% more if I just develop uh, this skill set. Why would you set. do it? So it's mm. like, oh, <laughs> why wouldn't right. you do it? Right. Yes, exactly. Right. No, it's crazy. I mean, I, you yeah. know, it's, and it's such a big fear that everybody has. Uh, it's, I, I actually read somewhere that uh, a study shows that people would fear public speaking more than they fear death itself, which is mm -hmm. kind of crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally crazy. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's great, but it gives you, you know, it gives you a whole level of authority that you otherwise wouldn't have in front of people. And then it establishes better connections than you, you would get if you were just in the audience. Um, you could be the same person, same knowledge, but if you're just in the audience, you're not going to be, um, seen as an expert in the same way as if you were speaking about a topic. So your obviously topic that you were speaking on was how to invest in multifamily. Yeah, I do a lot of, I do a lot of educational uh, topics like, you know, exactly how to invest in multifamily. What's the difference between say multifamily and single family. Um, and then I go into how do you choose the right markets to invest in. And so that way, if people want to invest with me, great. If they don't, I, I don't care, whatever. Um, but really what it is, is mm -hmm. that I, I used to be so big on monetization, meaning like, mm -hmm. hey, if I if I have something, I want to package it up, sell it, you know, advertise it, all that sort of stuff. And then I met this guy. His name is Brent Gove. He's with yeah, uh, EXP. I love Brent, man. He's he's a great guy. I met him over dinner. I think it was like five months ago, and we we're just kind of sitting down. I'm like, Brent, I recognize you because he hosted this event, and you had like 6,500 people show up. I'm like, how how did you how did you advertise? Like, tell me about the funnels. I want to hear about the marketing pieces you because that's how I think, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's like, dude, I have mm -hmm. no idea what you're talking about. I literally just posted it on Facebook three times, and people signed up. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I'm like, I'm like, there has to be a story. So so anyway, we went out to dinner the next day, and uh, and he basically explained. He's like look, I just give and give and give and give. And so when I post about this stuff, people want to come. And so I, I went to one of his events in Cabo uh, later on, like a month later. And man, there were like 1,200 people there. Everybody loves Brent. Like somebody mm -hmm. came up to me and, you know, we're just talking about Brent. He's like, man, if somebody was about to shoot Brent, I would jump in front of the bullet. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing that <laughs> really made me shift my mindset because I asked I asked his uh, staff, I'm like, you know, you guys have 1,200 agents here. These are all high producers why aren't you selling a coaching program? Like mm -hmm. you could easily sell a $25,000 coaching program. Everybody loves Brent. Uh, you could pull it off with no problem. And, and they're like a boss. You just, you're, you're thinking too small. You're thinking about right now money. We're thinking about future money. Uh, we mm. don't want to sell something that may or may not be good. I mean, yeah, sure. It may be good, but what if they end up not liking it? Now, all of a sudden you've, you've, you're, you're getting people outside of your system because they don't like the coaching. Um, so instead we just want to focus on selling one thing, focusing on providing one service and then everything else is going to be free and so that shifted my mindset and since then i've just been giving everything away for free and so now the only thing i basically i guess get paid for is just the implementation meaning hey look this is the info if you want to implement stuff yourself go ahead if you want to invest with me that's obviously that's available so hmm. yeah and it's it's interesting because it, people are reciprocal in nature and so when you do something for them they want to give you something back and uh, there was a study that they yeah. did where it's like if you go somewhere and they give you say whatever a bottle of water or soda can you're twice as twice more likely to purchase from that place than than somebody than a place where they didn't give you anything up front uh, so very interesting psychological mm -hmm. you know stuff totally
I love reading about this yeah. stuff. I don't, well, I don't know if this could, is too, um, too deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is actually awesome. And the timing of the things you just it's, said it's is uncanny. just... I mean, it's, it's <laughs> uncanny. It's um, uncanny. Because me and Matt were just having a very similar conversation. Um, so, I mean, I love what you just said about the reciprocal thing. I think that was in the book, Influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to work at McDonald's, uh-huh. dude. And I was an assistant GM. Um, they did the free coffee Mondays. And they would literally have huge, massive conferences like McDonald's spends more money on advertising than almost any company in the world. And they say they make more money giving away free coffee on Monday than they do with their ads. That's very interesting. That is so cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, that is reciprocity. Um, You go there for free coffee and buy something. Right. And the coffee doesn't (laughs) cost them anything. It's water. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. It's water, yeah. It doesn't cost some shit. Yeah, exactly. And boss, awesome. have you heard of Alex Hermosi? I have. I love Alex. Yeah, he's very similar, right? In the sense that he gives yeah. everything away for free unless you I hit love this it. certain level where it's DFY. So that was exactly what Tim and I were talking about is strategy because obviously we're shooting a lot of episodes every week and we're like, hey, what do we do? And, right. and so we're just discussing the merits of hey, do we give it away all for free? For free. Yeah. And at, you know, at what point At what point do we allow people to come into our world and get help and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, you look at, for example, you know, Alex or you look at Brent Gove and it's like the amount of the community Brent has built. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brent just, you know, just because of who he is as a person. But mm-hmm. like the, you see the community he's built in such a short amount of time um, and how much, you know how much support he gets when he's putting together events or whatever it's like you know it's clearly the best way to do it there's no mm. i mean like what are you going to do you're going to sell a bunch of things and i thought about this for a long time because i'm like okay i'm selling a bunch of different things i was selling the course i was selling a bunch of things and i'm like you know what these are all peanuts like if you actually think about it it's all peanuts in comparison to the big thing that you could be focused on instead and then everything else here just it, it doesn't really matter and alex Ormosi has a very very similar model where it's like you know he's giving away all this info by the time you get to three million dollars in, in revenue i think is where he's at right mm-hmm. uh, before you get to work with him it's like you trust him by then you, he could tell you whatever you want you know whatever he wants and you would believe him so i think i think it's that's the right model 100 percent. well exactly what you said and then in addition he's actually getting to work with people that have demonstrated and built the skills necessary to where it's enjoyable to work with them right. like it's not like the questions about mm-hmm. like well how do i make my initial phone call and there's right. a place and a time for all that but he's working with some i mean three million dollars a year business is it he's already working with a pretty high level person right Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, like, and he's talked about this, I think, where he's like, if you advertise for these type of guys and they come in, they may not trust you a hundred percent. And I think it's very similar in my case with investors where it's like, sometimes it's harder to explain why a deal makes sense, but you know, I run through so many deals. I, I literally go through a hundred underwritings and, and each underwriting takes about three, four five hours, depending on the deal, a hundred before we, make one offer and so there's so much data i go through and sometimes it's harder to put that info and say hey you know you should invest to a regular investor who's not you know they're not thinking about this sort of stuff so it's harder to explain versus if they just trust me like i had a guy on the last deal that we did and uh, i'm like look this is this is a great property you know i'm going in and he's like a boss if you're going in i'm, I'm in and he put in a million dollars two other investors same exact scenario they came in each with a million bucks and that that was because they trusted the process that i go through and they know how i work so that made it so much easier to to do business than if i had to convince everybody so 
basically, of course, for you, your end product is clients that invest money in your deals. Correct. Yeah. Brent's product is probably his downline, I'm guessing, or Correct. is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So passive, both in a sense, create passive income. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and the interesting thing about Brent's, uh, Brent's thing is that um, he found a way where he, by by hosting these events, people, he's not just benefiting himself, obviously, but he's also benefiting the people that are coming because then now they have, uh, they know these recruiting strategies. So they get motivated and they go out and they start recruiting or sometimes they bring in potential prospects of EXP Realty, I guess, and then they take them. Um, to his events and then you know they end up getting recruited so it's like he made a win-win situation for everybody involved and um, I'm constantly thinking about how I could implement something like that in my business I just haven't found out a way legally because uh, referral fees and bonuses and commissions they're all illegal so it's very difficult because the SEC regulates what we do and so anytime you're in a business where you know it's highly regulated like the business I'm in it makes things way more difficult like with you know the way I post on social media is regulated. I, I'm very careful about what I say every time I'm writing a blog or whatever, because it's like I don't want to over-exaggerate certain aspects and then have have them come in later and say, "Hey, you, you're saying this is a low-risk investment, but you know you're tricking people." <laughs> so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, it's 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 yeah. a little bit tougher. It's a little bit tougher in the in, in this world. Yeah, totally. I mean, and yet at the same time, so it's way, much harder to win somebody. But when you win somebody, they're handing you a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. It's a big, they're big investments. And they repeat. Like I remember Mm -hmm. on my first deal, uh, there was this guy where we literally got on zoom at nine o'clock at night. And, and, uh, this guy's super analytical. He's an engineer in the Bay area. Right. And so we got on, he's like, boss, I want to understand everything about this deal. I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. I thought it was going to be a 30 minute conversation. Uh, we get on and he's going through every little detail and we stayed on until like 1230 at midnight. Uh, but afterwards he's like, you know, I'm going in for $50,000. I'm like, sweet. Um, then the next day, his cousin calls me. He's like, Hey, I heard this guy, you know, my cousin's investing. I want to invest. Plus I got a friend who wants to invest. So they ended up being a group of five people that just connected each other. And then the next deal I did, they all came in and then they brought in more people. So it's like, it's nice, you know, when you see that scale, but it's, it's very, it's hard to start, but then it starts mm-hmm. scaling very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Snowballing yeah, too. yeah. It's, it's great. It's, uh, yeah, and so now that's a, that's one of my focuses is how do we build the product so well to the point where I don't I don't want to have to advertise I don't want to have to um, you know do all these different things I will if I have to but I want to I want to invest that money on the customer experience to get the customer to be so happy to the point where they they want to bring in people uh, rather than me having to go chase them out mm-hmm. so different mm-hmm. approach than I did my sales business totally yeah yeah that's yeah. fantastic man totally. It, it's yeah. just, it still boggles my mind that you have developed all the skills that you have in this period of time, like to yeah. run syndications. And like, mm-hmm. I just, cause I've been through a lot of meetings and with attorneys and trying to understand syndications and the laws and like, you're just handling it, man. It's phenomenal. I know, man, it's, it's complicated, but you know, honestly, I just, I just enjoy this stuff. Like people yeah. ask me, what hobbies do you have? And it's like, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I hate 
sounding boring mm. like this, but I just enjoy learning about business. I enjoy spending time, you know, uh, reading through yeah. contracts and reading through financial reports. Like yesterday, I got off work at 8.30 and then I went downstairs and I started reading through financial reports of uh, apartment deals we were looking at. It's like, you mm. know, so that's my aftertime hobby. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I enjoy it. I spend <laughs> a lot of time doing it. And I, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, if, if you don't enjoy the stuff that you're doing, you just you're never going to be able to uh, to push through and go through the boring parts, you know? Yeah. And I think all three of us are kind of in a similar boat, you know, as far as just being so focused on our desire to grow intellectually, emotionally, in business, et cetera. Um, right. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, like you single? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I uh, well, I recently broke up. I had a girlfriend for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, and what's interesting is that because obviously I'm very different than most people she would right. date my age. And so when we uh -huh. started out, there was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of contention like, Hey, you're not spending enough time doing this. You're not spending. But then eventually later on, she actually just kind of became like me. She got into real estate and now she enjoyed, she enjoys the same things that I enjoyed and all that sort of stuff. But it, it ended up not working out at the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just recently single. <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing cause you're uh, a person uh, that is glued to challenge. Yeah. How long before multifamily is not a big enough challenge? You know, and that, that was actually a thing I was thinking about when I was choosing my next business. Cause when I got into real estate sales, I just, I knew I, I didn't care about it enough where I wanted to be number one. Um, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to make money and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I never like, even when I was growing it, I'm like, okay, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to build it, but I didn't really want to be number one. And, um, I never really cared for it that much. Now the multifamily business on the other hand, like I truly, truly, truly enjoy, um, and I could do it for free if I had to, if money was not a thing in the world, but having said that it is, it is it is such a large business. There's so many challenges and then there's so much real estate. Like you think about Blackstone, Blackstone, I think is now at $700 billion or something like these lines. Um, and, and you've got all these other, other companies. And so the scale is massive and I don't think I'll ever get to a point where it's like, it's, it's going to be easy. I think it's going to continue to be hard and there's going to be another level all the time. And so that was a major part of the decision as to why I went into this business because I knew I would not get bored again like I got bored in the in the sales business. I mean, it's funny how often boredom yeah. comes up when we have these conversations because when you're talking with people that are entrepreneurs, they're growth-minded, boredom's going to come. It will. It will. There's no <laughs> doubt. Um, and, 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 you know, the only way to get past the boredom is to figure out right. what's next, Right. And defining what is next is important because you want to make sure it's something that's going to keep you engaged and right. challenged for the longest period of time. One hundred percent. And then, you know, I mean, and, and the other thing is like, you know, the thing about the sales business is that it's just there's not much like you'd learn about all these different marketing strategies. You'll learn about all these different things, but it's a very different business in the sense that you can't really apply a lot of business strategies to it. So I, I found myself because I love business just for the sake of business. Mm -hmm. And so like I would learn all these things mm -hmm. and, and whatnot, and it was harder to implement the, in the sales business because it's mainly built on relationships long-term. And so, you know, and then I, so I just found it like, I can't, I can't, you know, do all this stuff. Then I got, I basically built out a course and it was like build, selling the course, even though, you know, I didn't really make a lot of money. I think I made like 50, 60,000 from it, something like that and whatnot. But 
No yeah, I mean, well, relatively speaking, given how mm-hmm. much time I spent on it. You know? I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm, uh, no, I'm just, I yeah. was just messing with you. No, I mean, relatively speaking, nothing. But I mean, to the average American. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was still good. But, you know, it's like that to me was so much more fun because I was able to, you know, start advertising on Facebook and then hosting all these webinars and doing all this marketing. So that was so much more fun. And that's when I realized I needed to get out of the, the day-to-day sales business because it got it got way too boring. Because if, if selling a course was more fun to me, then I should do something else. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. This is something that I've spent absurd amounts of time thinking about. You know, because like, like you, you're at a place, I'm assuming either you're financially completely free or you're really close. Yeah. You know, you're, you're basically just the sales business that you're monitoring, even if that continues, you're, you, it's just money's not an option for, or not, not a uh, problem for you at all anymore. I'm not super rich where I want to be yet, but it's not something that I think about it, on a daily basis. Exactly. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, and so as I was approaching that, like it became more pressing. I don't know if this is the same for you. It became more pressing of like, what is my life going to be all about? You know, it's like, I feel like my, my whole focus once I got married, since I got married super young was like, I got to provide for my family. And now it's right. like, you know, per, barring something crazy, my family will be taken care of forever. Right. So now that that hurdle is checkmarked, it's like, what do I do? Right. And so like, I've been taking a lot of inventory about like, well, I want to help people. Okay. Well, what does that mean? And like you, I love challenge. And so it's like, how can mm-hmm. I pick something? Cause like, you know, this single focus is where it's at and mm-hmm. single focus consistency over time is where it's really at because it's right. like, you're going to be the best when you're focused, but you're going to be legendary if you're focused for 30 years. Right. Oh, 100%. And, and it's like, for mm-hmm. me, the only things I've ever been consistent to are my faith and my relationship to my wife and kids. Like I love it. everything else, like it doesn't last, like it has a shelf life. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> like so I'm like, gosh, like what thing am I, because I, like I almost always convince myself the thing I'm doing is a thing I love, but it's like what thing is actually so like I for like the last six or seven years I've been just kind of like cataloging like what things hold true, so huh. like I can That's really resonate with what you're saying. That's a very interesting way to to think about it, and and I think we all struggle with that to to a large extent, you know. Um, I think one of the things I one of the things I really like about Jeff Bezos, he says um, he's like, think about when you're 80 years old on your deathbed what would you wish you'd have done in your mm-hmm. life? And I always think about that. I'm like, well, if I'm 80 years old and I die being the number one real estate agent, would I have been happy? And the answer would have been no. Um, even if yeah. I had made all the money I had, I had ever wanted. Um, so I think, I think, I think about that all the time. And so I try to guide my actions by what I would have wanted to do by my, on my deathbed. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. 
we have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Love it, man. Mm-hmm. Love it, love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's similar to um, the Goggins quote. Um, I think at the very end of his book, he's just like, you know, God knows what your utmost potential yeah. was. And he's like, there is no chance that I'm going to get to heaven's gate and God is going to tell me that I had the ability to accomplish I more. Like, <laughs> I'm going to reach the ceiling of my potential and there is no way I'm not mm. going to reach it. And that is it. just such a resonating thing for me. I love, I love it, man. That. that guy is a beast. He's insane. I, I don't, I don't yeah, know I how Goggins, he does what he dude. does. Goggins is a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a beast. But I think another thing, though, is, uh, and I'm I'm starting to realize this right now, and that is, um, I think at some point there has to also be a balance in terms of like, you know, you got, because mm-hmm. you got other components in your life, like health, and you've got family and all that, and then religion. Like, I remember when I was 16 years old, I was way more religious, way more religious. And if I, if I think back, I would say that was a calmer time in my life. I was, I was quote unquote happier, not that happiness matters all the time you know like i i enjoy the challenge um so yeah i i think i think at some point you know we we also have to balance out all these different aspects of our lives you know um because i you know i don't want to just be a, a super rich you know guy that has nothing else going for him in life uh so so yeah i mm-hmm. think those are things we, sh- we should also all consider and, and kind of keep in mind but i think there's also times where you know like you're just not and I think Alex talks about this as well, where it's like you're you've got seasons of of uh, focus and balance, right? And it's you know sometimes you're focused on work and sometimes you're not, and that's that's fine. So at this point, I'm just focused on all the work. You know, I'm okay with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm in a group called Go Abundance. I don't know if you've heard of them, but oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's been really really good for me. Just you know, it's kind of like the ideal balance for most people is just tone everything down until you have equilibrium. Right. Whereas in GoBundance, it's more like, how do I tone everything else up? Right. I love yeah. that. Interesting. Interesting. So, so how would, <laughs> could you, could you explain that a little further? Yeah. So, so, I mean, a lot of times, for example, you're working eight to eight thirty. So mm-hmm. obviously there's, there's a limitation on time to turn everything else up. But right. like you were describing earlier on, on our episode, it was basically like, you're starting to get more into like, Hey, I want to go in this business, but I don't want to do these things. So it's a lot more conversations about like the who, not the how, and right. all those types of conversations and, and focusing when you go into a business, it's more about starting out as the energy instead of working your way up to be the energy. And so you can start to define, cause like, okay, so let's say we talk about this from a conceptual view. So you have the you that wants to be really, really good for the purpose of becoming the best actual self. And then there's the you that wants to be great because you want your income to increase. Fortunately, generally, both of those identities can actually grow irrespective of the number of hours that you work. Because self-actualization doesn't necessarily isn't correlated to a number of hours. And so I think as you can redefine your growth path outside of the 8 to 8.30 work schedule, then you do free up enough hours to do the other pieces. 
Um, and, and this group's kicking my ass because like there are certain it. areas of my life that are just, they're not where they should be. Right? right. Like my physical health being one of them. Like, so I was so observant of your comment about like, I just eat broccoli until dinner. And then I'm assuming you guess you eat probably whatever you want at that point, but right. yeah. Um, so I've actually been on OMAD now one meal a day for, I don't know, probably three months or so. Um, and so, but like, it's hard, you know, in the sense that like it's working, but I love the idea of just like scarfing carrots and broccoli. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that's easier. Oh, yeah, it's, it's hard to eat too many calories when you're eating those veggies, right. man. Um, and, and you know, your body will adjust right. over time. So like I said, I, I've been doing it for like I love seven it. years. So like, I, I don't, I don't even feel hungry half the time. Did, how five. much weight did you lose? Um, if you so, don't mind asking? <laughs> yeah. Me? Um, I actually didn't lose much. I'm pretty much, oh, okay. I wasn't overweight or nothing. I, I, I literally just switched over because, um, um, I work better when I oh, don't eat as much. Yeah. I mean, it was really that simple. So I was able to maintain, I didn't really lose weight. I'm actually pretty happy with my, where my weight is right now. <laughs> oh, you so, look great. Um, it, like if I lost weight, I didn't right, get too right. scared, yeah. you know, no, awesome. <laughs> whereas a boss, I'm more like you were in the sense that like, I probably gained and lost 40 or 50 pounds three to five times in my life. Oh my God. <laughs> so, and I've done, I've, I've done the, the losing part different ways each time. And so like what I'm, what I've been searching for is like, what do I need to fix in my mindset or my life to not just lose it, but to keep it off of course. Right. And, and so that's, that's really the, the quest is like what works for me, for my schedule, for my psychology. Like I know I eat based on stress triggers, those types of things. So like mm-hmm. what, what, what is it going to take to make that happen? You know? Yeah, you know what I noticed, uh, and this was interesting, is I noticed um, a lot of times I was just personally eating because of a routine, like, oh, it's 12 o'clock, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm hungry uh, because it's 12 o'clock, not because I'm actually hungry. Uh, and then I'd go out and eat, and then same thing at, you know, whatever, 8 o'clock at night. And so I, I think just forcing forcing myself to uh, to not think that way and then just eating broccoli i guess that that just killed the appetite right uh you know that that helped me out a lot but i think i think it's a it's a big it's a big struggle that a lot of people have like i know my father has been struggling with weight his entire life and it's like he just can't let go of food (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well you know your body gets into a rhythm right right? it gets used to the patterns that you do um so for example when i do one meal a day um if I eat a breakfast or lunch, I still get hungry at the same time. It doesn't change anything. <laughs> right. But I will still, like if I eat two meals in front of it, I will still have the same exact patterns right. because my body's already used to a certain schedule. So, I mean, it's kind of that way. It takes a long time to break that rhythm. But once you break that rhythm, like like I said, it's so easy for me not to eat till five. Like I could, it, it doesn't affect me at all. Interesting. So now you only eat dinners. Dinners and usually a late night snack. I actually, I was in this mastermind the other day where they had this um, this guy. He's uh, from Spain, and he's like basically a health guru. He's big on keto and all that stuff. And I tried keto for a month. Mm-hmm. I literally hated my life because mm-hmm. it was so difficult. Uh, it was the most boring diet mm-hmm. I've ever been on, so I couldn't do it uh, much longer. But basically, this guy was like. He, he's super anti-dinner. He's like, dinner is the worst meal of the day because like you're eating and then you're going mm-hmm. to sleep. And mm-hmm. it's like back in the day, people never ate like this. They would eat during daylight and then they would stop at night to actually go to sleep. So it was very interesting how like how anti-dinner he was. And he's big on keto and whatnot. He's like, oh, eat all the bacon you want, eat all the eggs you want, all the butter you want. <laughs> 
But man, it's it's tough. I sounds like I, a dream. I tried it and I couldn't live with it too long. <laughs> yeah. Well, it actually it works pretty it well if you follow it and and if you really if you're really monitoring your carb intake because if you do keto and you mess up your carb intake, you're going to gain weight. You're eating a ton of protein and a right. ton of fat. Right. <laughs> um, but if you actually get your carbs under 25 grams per day, which is extremely challenging, it by is. the way, um, it it works right. really well. Actually, I feel like my energy levels on keto are, are really right. high. The problem is it's like the most difficult diet to it maintain. Is. Like, because <laughs> you need to know the nutritional contents of everything right. you eat, because something might have some hidden carbs, throw you out of ketosis, and then you're just eating bacon and fucking <laughs> cheeseburgers all day. Or not cheeseburgers, obviously, because oh, like of the, the carbs, sauce has I mean, a little sugar and you, you can't use saying. it anymore. It's like, oh. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you uh, one candy bar will throw you out of ketosis, right. man. I mean, and that just ruined and And it takes a couple of days to get back into it, right? So it just... You just ruined a seventy-two hour period because you had a, a moment. Yeah, of Yeah, no, it's 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 um, crazy <laughs> difficult. And then, and then the thing about it is, like you said, maintaining carbs under twenty-five. Like I was eating a little bit of vegetables, and uh, and I was I stopped losing weight. I lost ten pounds, and it just it just stopped. And so I I asked the, the guy, I'm like, hey, why why am I not losing weight anymore? He's like, you know what? I think even though you're eating a little bit of vegetables, I think that's causing you to not uh, to not uh, lose weight. Um, just just cut that out and just eat all meat. And so I did that for two weeks and I started losing weight again and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to eat steak every freaking day yeah. of my life. I'm done with this. Yeah. Um, so I think fi I, I like what I'm doing now. It's super sustainable. I just basically eat a super, super light lunch and then I eat, you know, whatever, whatever I want for dinner and that's it. And no, no sodas, whatever. And it's been working out really well. Um, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been losing slash maintaining for a while. That that's like I eat I eat three eggs around three o'clock, then I'll have yeah. a dinner and then you know, sometimes I'll reach some for some sugary goodness before <laughs> it helps me sleep. It helps me sleep. Um I mean I love it. So I mean I I'm not fat or nothing, so I could have a couple donuts. Right. Well, you know, one thing I did recently is um there's this guy by the name of Gary Brecka. I don't know if you guys know him. Mm -hmm. Um so he he start, he partnered up with uh, Grant Cardone. He had a clinic uh, in in Florida, and so this guy's like he's not a doctor. He's a human biologist, is what he calls himself, and and whatnot. And so he focuses on he gets blood tests of people, and he looks at what you know what does your body not process in terms of uh, vitamins and whatever. And so he prescribes different vitamins to people that apparently your body needs. And so I you know I did the blood test, and then he. He basically gave me seven different vitamins and then testosterone because it's like a lot of people nowadays um, are low. lower in testosterone exactly because they're not out doing things like, you know, going to the gym or eating the right food or whatever, putting the right amount of time. And um, so I've been I've been doing that stuff now for about a month. And I can tell you, it's like my energy is through the roof. Like mm. I'm, I get to bed at 12 o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm not even tired. Like I could keep going you know, nonstop. Uh, it was, it, it's been a complete game changer. I had this issue where I would get to bed and I would literally not be able to sleep because I'm thinking about all the different moving parts in the business. It's like, okay, well, I got this deal. What about this deal? Well, what happens in the underwriting on that property? What if interest rates go up? So I had all these different things. And the way he explained it is he's like, you know what, the way your mind is working right now, is it's almost like it's almost like a stage where where people different actors are coming in and the, at the end of their show they're supposed to walk out then the next idea slash actor comes in but instead what's happening with you right now is they're all coming in 
but they're not leaving. And so now you just get more thoughts and then more thoughts and then more thoughts. And so even though I'm talking to you right now, you're actually not even paying that much attention to me. You're, you're thinking about other things. And as he said it, I was actually thinking about other things. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, you're, you're spot on. He's like, okay, you need, so go right. on, spot on. he's like, you need, I was just thinking about my three egg lunch. Um, <laughs> he's like, you need these different oh, things. And it's been, it's um, been incredible. It's been game changer. Dude. I love that yeah. metaphor um, for, for like, um, for ADD or, or a lot of things like that. I think that's exactly what happens um, is you get all these thoughts. People are supposed to have their stage time, but people start like all of a sudden you got 10 different things right. on stage and you're basically, you don't know what to pay attention your brain's to. basically trying to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're trying to juggle so many right. things at once. Um, so being able to um, find ways to control that thought right. process and, and things like that and give the center attention to where it belongs is actually, I mean, it's extremely challenging, but I mean, if you can pull it off, it's, yeah, you know, no, it's, awesome. it's and, and I noticed my, my, my stress levels have went down significantly and, uh, and I just feel way calmer now. Um, it's, it's been, it's been huge. Oh, I'm not getting paid by Gary Brecker, by the way. This is, yeah. <laughs> it's a free advertisement. It's free advertisement. Oh, well, yeah. So, so then was he tying essentially yeah, that, um, you know, we'll call it ADD, let's say that, inability to focus was he tying it directly to vitamin deficiency um i'm not exactly sure to be honest with you his doctor sent me a like probably the longest email i've ever seen in my life explaining all these different things to me and i read it and he's like you know just just take this stuff and you'll be fine Uh, on the next call we'll see the result and and uh, you know it's it fixed me i guess is the right Mm. way to say it but uh but yeah i mean it's been it's been incredible i do think i think part of it is the testosterone and then the other part is the vitamins um you know, and it's like things like D3 probiotics and all this B12, all that other stuff. Hmm. It's like seven pills every day. For sure. I could relate yeah. to that. I've actually also been doing testosterone now for like two years. How's that working out um, for you? Oh, it's been great. Um, I do it to keep my energy okay. levels up. Um, so I'm bipolar, right? So <laughs> for me, the testosterone is to keep me away from depression. Um, that's kind of the way I, I, I see it, but it's also a lot of the ways that, uh, what you talk about with, um, vitamin deficiencies and things like that. Cause I was in a car crash too, and that could affect the way that you do testosterone or, or your body produces right. testosterone and stuff like that. So, I mean, I was low, it's not like I wasn't, and I just started doing it. Right. Um, but I did that, um, for me, fish oil is like a must do every single day, um, because it really keeps my mood much more stable and, um, B12, B12. I think I take all the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, the cool thing about doing the TRT is they do blood draws all the time and it gives you a really awesome idea of where you are health wise. And, uh, my numbers are absolutely fantastic. Um, like literally they're just like, everything's perfect. I'm like, everything's perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, and you know, um, you know, I, it gives me an excuse to exercise more as well. Cause I'm just like, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well get the best benefit out of it. I possibly can. Right. Um, so I mean, yeah. I mean, it's been a game changer yeah. for me. It's, it really helps keep me level. It's mm. it's awesome, yeah. I mean, especially with with energy. And uh, so my my issue was originally the reason I got on it was because they thought they did a brain scan on me and they and they found a tumor, a non cancerous tumor on my pituitary gland. And the doctor was like, "Boss, we could." I mean, we got two options. One option is we could either do a brain surgery and try to remove that and there's obviously a risk associated with it or you could just get on testosterone and so 
And I'm like, okay, well, if we do, uh, you know, like, what is the risk? How long would it take before I, I become normal again? All that stuff. And she's like, well, it could take a couple of years and then there's a higher risk and all that stuff. So then I just decided to take the TRT. And uh, what's interesting is that two years later, my insurance expired and uh, I went to a different doctor. And they're like, hey, you know what? You're going to have to redo your, 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 uh, your uh, what do you call it, MRI again. And I redid my MRI and it turns out that that was a misread. There was no brain tumor. And uh, so they misdiagnosed oh, really? it. And I was on, on TRT for two years for no reason, basically. And, and that was the wrong medication. But at that point, I had already started. And, and once you start, you can't stop, basically. Uh, it's harder to stop. Yeah, it's something you kind of commit yeah. to. But I mean, um, for the right person, I think it could be an amazing thing to put into your life. Right. Um, We're not recommending this to the viewer. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, talk to a doctor, please. Um, um, we're not we're not doctors. So people please, buy uh, it in medical like advice. back alleys. Um, right? <laughs> it's like I am monitored by a doctor, actually. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually monitored by quite a few doctors. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. That's, that's it's amazing how how powerful. Um, I I love that you mentioned the brain scans and stuff like that because I was in this car accident, dude. I had over the course of a year, probably 15 MRIs, all sorts of CAT scans. I had something called blocks, nerve blocks injected into my skull wow. and all sorts of wow. other things as a result of this. And it was just a year and a half of physical therapy. And it was just a concussion. Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> like it was just wow. a concussion. This was post-concussion syndrome. And it's just, it's crazy. Um, the way the human body works and in particular the brain because it's so incredibly right. sensitive and just one small event could really throw it off course for a long period of yeah time. it's 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 uh, yeah and that's the thing it's like you know like you said one small thing could completely ruin it and that's why i was like you know what i don't i don't know if i feel comfortable with a, with a brain surgery you know it's like what mm -hmm. if they do the wrong thing and <laughs> you're screwed well i mean you're risking changing your right. personality having a brain right. surgery um so there's been people with brain injuries. Like I've seen pictures of like the dude that took an impalement oh. in their head and, and they were able to resuscitate him. But his personality was like That's a one eight. He was a totally different person after recovery. So, I mean, the brain affects your personality at a very That's large. Insane. Yeah. That was like uh was it the railroad engineer? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the dude I was talking about. Yeah. So like, I guess uh, the train hit the thing or something and the pole went right through his head. Sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's, I mean, he's survived wow. somehow. It's, it's a crazy story. Yeah. It's insane. So my stepdad, uh, had cancer that went to his brain and they did an operation. And then, so the operation essentially ended up buying him like five or six weeks before he ended up passing, but it was wild seeing the him after surgery wow. in those five or six weeks, like, and just watching him wake up from surgery, like they have to orient themselves. So he like I mean, obviously, depending on what part of the brain would depend on what happens, but like mm -hmm. essentially, like he felt like he was in a tar pit when he woke up. Like he was in this alternate wow. universe. Man, that's wild. Was he was he on medication of some sort that was potentially causing it? I was about to say, was he on anesthetics? Um, that's a fair question. I, I don't. <laughs> Perhaps yeah. ketamine might have been involved. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But what I do know is that what the doctors told us is that like a big part of this is the fact that like. Like kind of like when you get your arm scraped, it like burns or hurts or whatever. Like right. when your brain is being like touched or moved around or whatever, like 
weird things are happening to it. So probably a combination of drugs and, uh, mm -hmm. you wow. know, the brain being messed with. So can you like remember or has, was there any points where you recognize the way that you are as far as being so driven or was it like a moment where you realize like, I don't want to be poor. Like what led you, do you feel like to have yeah. the kind of drive you have? I mean, that's a good question. I remember growing up just not, I mean, and when you're a child, obviously you don't recognize that. But then when I started seeing how my friends lived, I'm like, okay, well, why don't we have bats? Why don't we have regular food? Like, I mean, obviously we were fed, but it's like, it wasn't obviously the same as other people were. Right. And so like, I remember I was just telling somebody yesterday, like, uh, I remember my mom would go to the, to the store and we were a family of seven. She would get, she'd buy three bananas and then we'd split these bananas in half and then we'd eat the bananas and then we, we still want more. So we'd eat the, we'd scrape the peel, right. The inside of the peel, the banana. <laughs> uh, so and, and then nowadays it's like it just goes rotten and i have to toss it unfortunately right uh, but no it's like um, you know growing up i mean just obviously seeing how poor we were i didn't i didn't like that very much and i and obviously my dad worked a lot so i knew hey if we just put in more work maybe we could make more money and all that stuff but then when i got when i was 18 um part of it was i just didn't want to fail at the first thing I tried because to me it's like it was a big risk to leave college and you know especially coming from an immigrant family immigrants are all about college they're all about hey let's go with the safe route because it's like mm -hmm. they've been through so much crap they don't want you know their kids to go do some you know risky business and potentially it's like oh we put all this time and then now you're you're risking it all right um so i remember when i was getting into the real estate business literally everybody was against it i you know i was like the black sheep mm -hmm. of the family basically and now half of the family's in real estate right funny enough. <laughs> but uh but no i mean i was you know when i got in i'm like you know what i would hate to um i would hate to uh fail at the first thing that i ever try because you know eventually i wanted to try other things other businesses and it's like i didn't want to fail at this thing so that was my biggest motivator and uh, th that was again part of the reason why i said hey i'm not i'm not gonna quit uh, there's there's just no way um so you, you, you quit, quit on, on quitting, quitting. Man. quit yeah. on quitting please like comment share and subscribe engagement is like gold to us we can't do what we're doing without it Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 